KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to From the Concert Hall with your hosts Corbin Sturch and Zachary Payne, your vintage radio program here on KUOZ 100.5 FM. Community radio produced by the Radio Television Video Department here at University of the Ozarks in Clarksville, Arkansas. From the concert hall plays some of the famous artists of the past, as well as features a few of our very own from right here at home. So sit back, relax, and enjoy as we take you live right here to our very own little concert hall. Hello and welcome to From the Concert Hall. I'm your host tonight, Corbin Sturch. My co-host, Zachary Payne, is out sick tonight. It's been a rough week with everyone being sick here around campus, myself included. But thankfully, we've all been starting to get able to be back on our feet. This snow day today, I'm sure, has helped. So thank you to the administration for giving us that day off. It's been a blast. Now... A bit in the way of announcements before we get into the show tonight. The Clarksville Lions Club will have a pancake breakfast Tuesday, March 31st at the Clarksville First United Methodist Church. They'll start serving at 6.30 in the morning and go through serving till about 12.30 in the afternoon. Right now the cost is $5 per person or $3 for children's 12 and under. Now the cost that day will go up 50 cents, so best to order your tickets now. This is all you can eat. So don't don't think you can just go and get one plate. It's well worth the money you're paying to go out, grab a couple plates of pancakes, and enjoy the company and fellowship of other people that morning that'll be there with you. Now, if you can't get out for some reason, or if you're busy at the office, if you and some buddies can get together and get six or more orders together, they'll deliver it to you. The number to call to find out more information or to buy your tickets is 479-979-2260. Again, that is 479-979-2260. Also in the way of announcements this week, on display in the Stevens Gallery is Breach, Log 15 by Courtney Leonard. It'll be on display until March 26th, I believe. So that'll be one you'll want to go check out. Now, getting into the show topic this week, we're finally going to finish up our show that we've been going through looking at the play L'Orfeo. Now, this is a a five-part opera that is the oldest surviving opera right now that we have that's continuously played. We have operas that are older than it, but this is the one that is continuously played even today and is still very popular among audiences of the opera houses around the world. Now, so far, we have seen in Act 1, Orpheus and Eurydice get married, they sing their love for each other, and it's this wonderful, happy act. This person who thought he'd never find love has finally found the woman of his dreams, and they get married. Going into Act 2, we're still in these pastoral fields right after the wedding. Eurydice has gone out, has picked flowers. She's so happy. But sadly, she is bit by a snake and passes on. Orpheus is just absolutely devastated. But he has not forgotten his love for Eurydice. And in Act 3, Orpheus goes to Sporinza, which are the gates of Hades, the gates of hell and steals the um, ferryman's boat, Charon's boat, to cross the river Styx. He tries reasoning with him, but eventually he just has to play him to sleep so that he can take the boat and cross the river because he wasn't going to take him across the river in the beginning. Now we're getting into Act 4, which is where we're going to start today. There's two more acts to this this opera. We're just going to be finishing an intermission between Acts 3 and 4. 
and we're finally going to figure out what's happening with Orpheus here in the underworld. Well, in Act 4, in the underworld, Prosperina, the Queen of Hades, who has been deeply affected by Orpheus singing, petitions King Pluto, her husband, for Eurydice's release. And moved by her pleas, Pluto agrees on the condition that as he leaves with Eurydice, he can never look back at the underworld. He cannot look back. Because if he does, a single glance will condemn him to eternal loss. So Orpheo agrees to these terms, and we see Orpheo enter back on stage, leading Eurydice and singing confidently that on the day he will rest on his wife's wonderful white bosom. And he'll just be happy together, and they'll live a long, happy life. But as he sings, a note of doubt starts to creep in. Who will assure me that she is actually following, that she is with me, or that this is even really her? Perhaps Pluto, driven by envy, has imposed the condition through spite. Maybe he's not actually letting her come with me. And then, suddenly distracted by an offstage commotion, Orpheo looks around, and immediately the image of Eurydice begins to fade, and she sings desperately, Losest thou me through too much love? And she disappears. Now, Orpheo attempts to follow her, but in the end, he can't. He is he's drawn away by an unforeseen force, and Act 4 ends with the course of those infernal spirits seeing that Orpheo, having overcome Hades, was in turn overcome by his passion, his love. So even though he's come all the way to the underworld, and he's gotten Eurydice's, and he's got what he's wanted, this, his love for her, ultimately, was what cost him her once again, which is an incredibly dramatic and just heart-wrenching thought. You've gone through everything you can possibly imagine, every hardship to get someone back, and it was all for nothing, and it was your love for her that cost you her. I can only imagine how infuriating that would have been for Orpheus whenever he's going down looking for her. But, I don't know. When you're listening to this bit of music in Act 4, remember, I'm I'm sorry, (laughs) remember that when you hear the harpsichord, think of Orpheus. It was a very common practice back then and even still today to pair a character with a musical instrument or type or musical instrument. And so in this opera, Orpheus is personified in music through the harpsichord. These infernal spirits? Well, that's the brass instruments, the trumpets, this low oboe you're going to hear. Now, Pluto and Plasperina, they're going to be characterized by strings, but also probably a bit of brass and harp, because they're going to be hopeful, but also still of the underworld, because in this case the underworld is personified with that deep, low brass, that sporadic clash of things, that bit of everything that's wrong with the music of this play, I guess might be the proper way to personify the underworld through music. But let's see if you can hear that all. See if the music will put you in that place that it's supposed to when you listen to the Orpheos Act 4 by Claudia Monteverdi. Enjoy.
KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Hello and welcome back to From the Concert Hall. If you're just now joining us, we have almost completely finished the opera Le Orfeo after just hearing Act 4. So if you've missed all of it before, just to get you up to speed and remind you where we're at with this opera, through Act 1, we saw the curtain rise and we saw Orpheus finally get married to the woman whom he never thought he'd find, this woman of his dreams. And it's just this wonderful wedding full of celebration and great joy, which moves into Act 2, where Eurydice, his wife, is so happy that she goes out and she picks flowers, inevitably being snake bit and dying in the field that evening. It's a terribly sad scene that really sets the stage for the drama to unfold, as in Act 3, Orfeo goes to the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, and tries to convince the ferryman to take him across the river Styx. That doesn't exactly work out for him. So <laughs> he has to play the ferryman Charon to sleep before finally stealing the boat and going across the river himself. <laughs> now in Act 4, the act we just listened to, we saw Orpheus in the underworld, pleading with Prosperina, the Queen of Hades, and King Pluto for Eurydice's release. And being moved by the pleas, the king allows Eurydice to leave with Orpheus and go back to living in the world under the condition that Orpheus never looks back as he's leaving Hades. So he's singing, they're happy, but... A bit of doubt crosses Orpheus's mind. What if this isn't actually Eurydice? What if she's not following me even? What if um, Pluto's love for her kept him from actually letting her leave with me? Maybe he liked her like I did. So he gets distracted by this noise and he turns around and he sees Eurydice begin to fade and she sings asking looking, look what your love has done. You've loved me too much. And she disappears. And that's actually the last time we'll see Eurydice in this opera. And even though Orpheus attempts to follow her and save her, he is thwarted and isn't able to save her. Now, in Act 5, we see the end of this opera. We're back in the fields of Thrace. We, at the end of Act 4, we heard this mystical, whimsical bit with the strings and the harp. Well, now we're back in the fields of Thrace. We've left hell, and we're back here. And Orpheus has this long soliloquy in which he, will, he laments his loss and praises Eurydice's beauty and resolves that his heart will never again be pierced by Cupid's arrow. So he's never going to love another woman he, as much as he loved Eurydice, and he's not even going to try. The offstage echo that we heard in Act 4 repeats his final phrase, and then suddenly a cloud appears, and Apollo, one of the gods, descends from the heavens and chastises him, saying, Why dost thou givest thyself up as prey to rage and grief? Why are you letting your emotions overcome you, basically? You can love another person, you just you have to get past this. 
but he understands how much Orpheus loved Eurydice. So he invites Orpheus to leave the world that we know and join him in the heavens where he will recognize Eurydice's likenesses in the stars and she'll be with him there. So Orpheus says that it would be unworthy not to follow the counsel of such a wise father. That's what he would have called a god, someone who's older than him much wiser. They would have called him a father out of a sign of respect. And so together they ascend into the heavens. And we see the shepherd's course reappear and conclude with the verse saying, He who sows in suffering shall reap the fruit of every grace before the opera, opera ends in a vigorous moresca. So it's, it's a lovely scene. Orpheus didn't get Eurydice out of hell, but he still has the chance to be with her. And his love for her was so profound that even the gods knew it. They came down and they offered him the solace of seeing her in the heavens and feeling her presence with her, with him. It's, it's a wonderful love that shows transcendence of everything, above everything else. Now, we're about to hear Act 5. And after we hear that, I'm going to tell you about an alternate ending that was in the original opera that isn't played anymore. So, enjoy Act 5. But also think, how could this have been different? What could this other ending possibly be? So, enjoy as we hear the conclusion of Le Orfeo opera Act 5.
Sdegno e d'amore 
ragioni celeste padre forza che vuoi m'imponi troppo troppo gioisti di tua lieta ventura or troppo piagni tua sorte acerba e dura ancor non sai come nulla qua giù dietta ed oro. Dunque, se goder brami immortal dito, niente ne me qual c'è il caso. Non vedrò più mai della mata Euridice i dolci rai. Nel sole, nelle stelle, vagheggerò le tue sembianze belle. Vendico tanto, padre, sarai non degno figlio se non seguissi. Se non seguissi, 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 se non seguissi. KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. You are listening to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Hello, and welcome back to From the Concert Hall. I'd like to just apologize for that last little blip in the music and uh, a not-so-expected end to our look at the opera Le Orfeo. As with any old bit of music, whenever we're pulling it and playing it off the record player, sometimes there are blips with the record, and I think this is a good example of something that happens sometimes with music. You don't expect it to happen, but when it does, there's really nothing you can do about it. You just have to keep going, so to speak. Now, we didn't get to hear the end of the act where we saw the shepherds come in and they sing about Orpheus's love and how it's just this wonderful thing that's reaped the fruits of grace. And we didn't get to hear the lovely Moresca that ends it. But before Act 5 started, I said that originally there was another ending. There was two endings that could be chosen from. Well, that was a bit of a... Well, that wasn't exactly the best way to word that on my part. What it actually was, was an addition to the end that takes place in the middle of Act 5. So, in the alternate edit to the end from 1607 by Strigio, Orpheus' soliloquy in the very beginning is interrupted not by Apollo's appearance, but by a chorus of Maenads, or Bacchanatis, which are wild, drunken women who sing of the divine fury of their master, the god Bacchus. So, why are they mad? Well, I'm guessing that Orpheus was a very attractive man because the cause for their wrath is... Orfeo and his renunciation of women, he's not ever going to love him again. He loved Eurydice, and she's dead, and he couldn't save her. And he's just never going to love another woman again. They're mad. They don't like this. So the women are telling him he will not escape their heavenly anger. And the longer he evades them, the worse it's going to be for him. So, 
Orpheus leaves the scene, and his destiny is left uncertain for the Bacchanales to devote themselves to the rest of the opera, the wild singing and dancing and the praise of Bacchus. Now, one of the early music authorities, Claude Poliska, believes that the two endings are not incompatible. They, they can't go hand in hand with each other. But he believes that when Orfeo evades the fury of the Bacchanales, he's rescued by Apollo, and that actually the opera may have continued in that way, where, yes, his soliloquy is interrupted by the women. Apollo does work his way in, and Apollo actually does save him in the end of this opera. So it's definitely an interesting theory. It would have made the opera very, very interesting to, to see the end of. It's something no one would expect. <laughs> I almost wonder if that wasn't a bit of a musical pun on the part of the person who wrote that. Um, it wasn't Monteverdi who wrote that again. That was Strigio who wrote that addition to the end that can be added but isn't anymore. Now, like I said, this is a very, very old opera. We're playing it in part of our Baroque series in this Music of the Ages series we're doing this season. I'd like to remind everyone that this opera, Leorfeo, is the oldest opera out there that's still continuously played today. This is an opera from 1607. That's very, very, very old. We're talking over 400 years old. This is an opera that's really, really withstood the test of time. Now, needless to say, it's not necessarily the most popular opera in today's opera houses, but if you ever get a chance to see it, it's definitely worth seeing and seeing in person in that that regard. So maybe it, maybe it'll be coming to Arkansas soon, and we can tell you that it'll be in. Now, I would like to make one note of the recording you've been listening to these last couple shows. The first recording of Leorfeo was done in 1939. And this was a freely adapted version of Monteverdi's music by Giacomo Benevunti, which was given by the orchestra of La Scala Milan and conducted by Ferruccio Clausio. Now... This recording, the 1939 recording, the first recording of that opera, is the recording you've been listening to. This is a recording that would have been done on a beeswax roll. And then eventually turned into an LP, one of the flat vinyl records we know today. Now, this, for this record, was actually done in 1979 by the company we have this record by which is EMI, which is uh, also a part of the Historical Archives collection that they do. Now, if anyone would like to check out this opera from the library, the Robson Library, the record call number is R2019. It'll be a great chance for you to listen to this opera, feel it in your own room, your own dorm room, or even in the library, if you don't have a record player, they do have one there at the library where you can listen and play these records as many times as you want without interrupting anyone else or worried, worrying about how noisy you're going to be to your neighbor in the dorm room next to you. So as well as checking out, when you, when you get the record, remember that this is actually going to come in a really big case. This opera came in two records, so four sides, and actually Act 4 was split between side 1 and side 2 of the second record. So if you heard any interesting little changes in volume, that would have been what it was from, trying to blend the two together. In the case, you'll also find this lovely pamphlet which details the opera just beautifully, gives a word-for-word translation of the opera, both in Italian and in English. So don't be discouraged when you look at it at first. The English is there. You just really got to pay attention to where you're at on the page. 
it doesn't quite read like a book. But it's a wonderful opera, well worth seeing. And if it ever comes to Arkansas, we'll be sure to let you know if it's in the area where you can easily drive and go see it. Because I know I'm ready to go see it now. I can only imagine that you, the listeners out there, are in the same boat as me. Now, before I let you go tonight, I'd like to remind all of our listeners that the Clarksville Lions Club will present a pancake breakfast Tuesday, March 31st, at the Clarksville First United Methodist Church. They'll start serving at 6.30 in the morning and serve through 12.30 in the afternoon. Right now, the cost is $5 per person or $3 for children 12 and under. This is all you can eat, so it's well worth that $5. That's not expensive. It's a great cost, and it's going to be a great event to come out, see people you might not have seen in a while, enjoy some good food, and start your day off with just a wonderful note. If you can't get out, if maybe by some chance we're snowed in again, <laughs> I know this, this weather has been crazy these last few weeks, and you've got an order of over six or more, you can call 479-979-2260. And they'll be more than happy to deliver on order of over six or more. So, again, the Pancake Breakfast, Tuesday, March 31st, at the First United Methodist Church here in Clarksville. They'll start serving at 6.30 in the morning and serve through 12.30 in the afternoon. Again, the cost is $5 per person or $3 for children 12 and under. And it's all you can eat. The number to call for more information is 479-979-2260. Again, that's 479-979-2260. Like I said, it'll be well worth going out and eating. I know I'm making a special plan to go out, enjoy some pancakes that morning, and support our local Lions Club. Also happening here at Ozarks this week, and for the rest of the month, really, in the Stevens Gallery, Breach, Log 15 is on display. It's an art exhibit by Native American artist Courtney Leonard. It's a great, great show. It's well worth going out and seeing. It'll be on display until March 26th. Here's the University in the Walton Fine Arts Center, Stephen Gallery. So whenever you go in the Fine Arts Center, in the center room right by the theater... In the main lobby, you'll see these glass doors on the side. That's the art gallery. Go in, check it out. It's open all day from 8 in the morning until 4.35 in the evening. It's free. It's open to the public. It's a great exhibit to go out and see. I've gone through it two or three times now, and I find myself going back. It's really enjoyable. Remember, of course, to also read the placards next to the works. The work really tells the story, folks. It's a great exhibit to go out and see. Now, if you'd like to keep in touch with From the Concert Hall and find out what we're doing through the week, maybe you want to give us advice on our shows or suggest topics for future shows, you can get a hold of us through Facebook at facebook.com forward slash from the concert hall. Or if you just search from the concert hall there on Facebook, you'll find us. We've got 70-some-odd likes right now. We're looking to expand. Right now, we've got people all over the globe that have been listening to the show, which is a great honor for a show this early in the game. So thank you to all of our listeners. You've really helped make the show what it is, and you are the reason we do what we do. So thank you. Now, if Facebook isn't your thing or... Maybe you switch to other forms of social media. We have a Twitter. I know Twitter is really making a rise these last couple weeks. Well, not weeks. Let me rephrase that. Last couple years, Twitter's really picked up. We have a Twitter also. If you search at FTCH underscore KUOZ, you can find us there. We're on Twitter. We don't tweet a whole, whole lot, but we tweet just enough to keep you up to date to know what we're doing. And we're also on Instagram. We like to post photos to the week of what's going on with us right before the show, album art for the records we're playing in the evenings. It's a great way to really put yourself in our eyes and see what's going on with us. The 
call sign for Instagram, if you're interested in finding us on there, is KUOZ Concert Hall. That's all one word. You can just type that in. You'll find us. We'd love to get your feedback on our photos, really let you see what we see and make you a part of our show, aside from just a passive listener. You're why we do this, and we love you for that. We love doing what we do for you. We hope you're learning from it. We know we're learning from it, definitely, and doing it, and we look forward to hearing back from you. Now, if all of that still just isn't in your scope of things you do socially, we have an email. It is from the concert hall radio at gmail.com. Again, that is from the concert hall radio at gmail.com. All one word, no periods between the words, just one straight long word. We'd love to hear back from you. And maybe you know someone in the community who is a great artist, or maybe you yourself are. Send us an email, send us a Facebook message. Show us your work. We'd love to have you on the show. We'd love to talk with you, interview you, and find out more about you. So drop us that line. We can't wait to hear from you. Thank you so much. And before I let you go tonight, of course, a get well to my co-host, Zachary Payne. He was out tonight sick. But to let you go tonight and play you off into the night and to help you remember your Lenten promises is the choral piece Fall Slow Tears by Ruth Elaine Schwamm. Enjoy and good night. Yes. <laughs>